What did he say? There's a guy in our quartet Talks like no one I've heard yet He mumbles, mumbles all the time He's got no reason and he's got no What did he say? You know, not gonna say so. What did he say? If I can go What did he say? He said, bring something round, we'll have a ball today. You are listening to the next voice you hear with Juan Yoon. Welcome to the next voice you hear, the new in-home edition. I'm Juan Yoon, and, uh, and I have my colleague here, Nevin Ryan. Hello, humans. And no, we are not in the same space. We're in our respective <laughs> apartments. I'm in my bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we decided that, um, A, we needed to do something uh, creative outside of our work these days, and B, we've gotten a lot of great feedback about our previous podcasts, and we wanted to do something that was much more feasible and, and low-tech, but that was still interesting. So we came up with a new format, and the new format is 15-minute uh, episodes with three different segments within it. The first segment is called Cool Hunting, where we one of us brings forward a cool innovation or idea that we may not have heard of before uh, to the table and talk to us about it. The second segment is where we sort of exercise the part of the, the brain that relates to the old adage in ideation. If you don't have enough bad ideas, you don't have enough good ideas. So this is where we, we try to kind of either market something unusual or do something unusual where it requires a bit of thinking differently. So we're going to try that and come up with some really bad ideas for, for a business or a brand. And then the third segment is what if, and this is sort of like speculative fiction or science fiction, where we're going to imagine what the world would look like if we changed something fundamental about the world, which is kind of what we're experiencing now today. But this one is going to be a bit more fun uh, than that, than the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, let's get started then. So the first segment is called Cool Hunting, which basically is uh, breakthrough stuff, shit, whatever you want to call it, that we find very neat. And we hope that you do too. So we got five minutes and the clock starts meow. So last week, Juan, I, I stumbled upon something that was quite interesting called Wabi Sabi. Uh, some of you, I, I think you've heard of it before. Um, and, and you may, and for those listening, maybe wondering that it's, if it's like some new, like, I don't know, Japanese horseradish or <laughs> Gen Z board game, but it's neither of those things. It's or actually, it's not, yeah, sushi. <laughs> it's not sushi. <laughs> it's actually a Japanese philosophy um, that is all about finding beauty in the imp imperfection of things or allowing things to be incomplete, so to speak. Uh, I found this quite interesting because it, it, it took me straight back to my, my old painting days uh, when I was at school. And it actually it reminded me when I um when I I came across a, a great Da Vinci quote uh, that provided me a lot of comfort over the years. He said, "Art is never finished, only abandoned." <laughs> so painting is never finished. It's just like you just give up, essentially. Uh -huh. um, 
which really strikes a parallel with what Wabi Sabi is. Um, Cause you like, you can't, you can always go back on a painting or on a, on, a, on music, uh, uh, on anything and just like kind of clean a line up here or add a bit more detail. So it's not really done. It's basically saying that we have just such a horrendous relationship with perfection. Uh, it's, it's longing for something that, that just doesn't exist, I guess, uh, which is harder for some people than others, right? So is it sort of a cure for the affliction of going after perfection? I, I think so. I think it's something that like this, this Western world needs to adopt <laughs> immediately. Like I think it's, it can so it's, really... It's, um, I, I think I know what it is. It's Japanese, is it not? Yes. Yes. Uh, W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I, Wabi, Wabi Sabi, which really does sound like something you put on sushi. But <laughs> Wabi Sabi. Exactly. So, for example, what would be an example of something that is uh, Wabi Sabi? So if you're making like um, ceramics, like you're using clay. Uh, I, I read this article of this guy that was just introduced to it and he, he was he was at one of these studios uh, where they practice wabi-sabi and essentially like his clay, his, his bowl of clay on the, on the wheel was like disformed, uh, like out of, out of shape, out of whack. Uh, and the teacher just grabbed it. He's like, no, 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 no. Like I, I want, I want to keep this. <laughs> He's just like, no, no, no. It's perfect. It's perfect for being imperfect. And so there, there's, there's just like ways of finding um, beauty in the, like the, the subtle imperfections of life. Because at, at the end of the day, nothing is perfect. We're not perfect. And that's what gives us meaning. Um, so it, it extends through like a, a myriad of different uh, categories and, uh, and arts and, and life, really. <laughs> interesting. Really interesting. Okay, so I have uh, uh, a friend who has a, a had long time ago a dog and this dog got into an accident and lost a leg so it, it was one of those dogs that can actually run um reasonably well on three legs so it's it's basically in a sense it's sort of deformed or, or damaged if you look at it through the traditional lens yeah. but is that dog basically wabi sabi because the whole family <laughs> basically said he is perfect in his imperfection they loved him that much more for being this unique creature that survived that that accident is that wabi-sabi I, I i think so my definition of it matches that for sure so I, basically I, we're we're all wabi-sabi in a way yeah and like and not to be yeah exactly we're all imperfect um and like not to be too self-referential i think when we're bringing this back into marketing but it's like um if like if you ever went to a copywriter and ask them after at like at a rap party of a campaign like if that commercial <laughs> that they wrote turned out exactly the way he envisioned it i think uh we would know the answer right like there's just something like in like letting mm -hmm. go and letting things kind of letting the universe letting time uh really and other people affect like uh i guess evolve something into something that is like it, that gives it meaning and like makes it uh, like um not perfect but complete in a way but what's the difference between something that fell short of your expectation so let's say i go to a restaurant and i have a meal and it, it isn't amazing like there are a lot of sort of flaws things that went wrong things weren't that weren't quite right that doesn't feel like what you're talking about that doesn't feel like wabi-sabi that just feels like 
something that fell short of expectations. What's the difference between that and Wabi Sabi? I think one is like just um, being able to to let go of of preconceived notions of what is perfect, um, mm. and the other is just half-assing something. Or is it um, a is it a concept, meaning where you're looking for anomalies and asymmetries and uniquenesses versus the artifice of perfection right yeah. so for example if you're looking if you're making a vase right as you were talking about before with pottery yeah. and you want to make it absolutely perfect so that there is no anomaly in in the glass it mm -hmm. is absolutely smooth and perfect it's totally symmetrical there are no flaws whatsoever that's the traditional way of looking at perfection, right? It's sort of like when you're shopping for a diamond, perfect diamonds, meaning they're full less, are more valuable than imperfect diamonds, right? Yes. It feels like what Wabi Sabi is, is, is teaching us is a very different paradigm. It's a very different mindset, which basically says, rather than, than worshiping the artifice of flawlessness, look for flaws and imperfections and anomalies and asymmetries deliberately see these organic and spontaneous occurrences or these things yeah. that deviate from these artificial norms as meaningful yeah exactly as opposed to just accept that your meal was subpar <laughs> <laughs> okay wait we, we just ran over i knew we'd run over but we ran over we're on to the next segment Yes. Which is called Bad Ideas. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ariana. <laughs> yeah. For this, uh, for this segment, we are going to be focusing on one topic here, or I guess answering one question, which is how would you market condoms during the COVID crisis? And if I understand this segment go. correctly, it's really about um, sort of exercising the brain and allowing yourself to to think of stupid things. Because in thinking of stupid, allowing yourself to think of stupid things, some great idea might occur after that, right? Exactly. So, but I, I have to, I, I love this question. How would you market condoms during the COVID crisis? Which is actually a very practical question. But uh, I have a bunch of sub questions. So let's start with the who. Of course. Who would you market it to? Like which gender? Are you going to market this to men or to women? And younger or older? Is there an age bracket? It's like the deodorant question with like uh, Old Spice. Are we actually, <laughs> are women buying condoms more than men? I think, I think we got to go with, can we, and that's just, can we do both or? <laughs> you can, but it's an interesting question to pose. Like in other words, if you were to position you know, using condoms as preventing the dire consequences of not using them, who mm -hmm. would care more about that? And I think the answer is it depends on, <laughs> you know, it, one person could care more than the other, right? So. Yeah, I think uh, let's go with, that's just, just to get to narrow it down. Maybe let's go with men. Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, the age would probably like these people would have to be living with their partner at this point. So anywhere from like 20, 25 to all the way up to 40. 
Yep. Okay. Men 25 to 40. Okay. With the, we focus that. And do we care whether they're unmarried or married? I think no one wants a kid. So married and married. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, uh, I, that's, a, that's a couples. Secondary is married couples. Sorry, unmarried couples and married couples is our second uh, target. Okay. Here. So primarily unmarried, but living with their partner, young men aged 25 to 40. Yeah, okay. exactly. That, that's interesting. So given that, how would you message something like that? For example, I don't know why, the, you know the expression in, in, in a wedding, till death do us part, Yeah, keeps coming up in my brain. In other words, could you, you know, help the, the, the viewer kind of visualize the lifetime commitment that comes from being careless with your partner during this crisis as in you know yeah. a baby is at least an 18 year commitment right well uh, yeah you could like say like um <laughs> like uh, protects you from things that are less permanent <laughs> than a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> uh, something like that something along those lines i was thinking like, very interesting something about like staying inside like <laughs> it's a really bad double on but like oh that's for terrible those, for those staying inside <laughs> or, wow that really know. that really yeah. lives up to the term bad ideas nevin but I love it. <laughs> um but yeah no i think i think it's definitely you might be on the right track in terms of the permanency of of a child and um and maybe kind of matching it with hopefully that this pandemic is, is going to be over in the next couple. Well, of you know, or... we saw this in, in nine 11 and, and that doesn't mean that people regretted their decisions. I think some people did and some people didn't, but during nine 11, uh, there was a whole lot of this going on about nine to 12 months, nine to 10 months later, the birth rate in New York, especially just completely skyrocketed for obvious reasons, right? People were, you know, getting yeah, much more intimate, but not only that, there was almost like an artificial or heightened intimacy during this time. And then afterwards, some people said, oh, I'm not sure why I did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe the, the, the preventing regret or preventing yeah. a lifetime commitment could be an interesting way to, yeah. to message this. Uh, are there particular channels through which you would market it? Like, are there something, is there something clever? we could do during uh, lockdown. For example, the reason oh. why we're doing the podcast again is because audio channels are really popular during this mm -hmm. time, right? Audio books and podcasts and well, TV is even super... some, to some extent, TV yeah. and internet radio. But that's not new. I was thinking maybe like you get like little kits. So you get pandemic kits, which would, would come with maybe like gloves, sanitizer, mask, and a bag of condoms. They're, like there's only you one know, thing or, or what or if we co-marketed it with gloves? Cause the whole expression, no glove, no love. Right. Yeah. So you could, yeah, you could do like a nice little billboard too. Even though people aren't really outside, but like you have a picture of like a glove or a mask or a sanitizer. And then like, there's only one thing missing from this uh, pandemic toolkit. And then like, you know, directs, <laughs> like, I don't know, something created, what if you created a glove box, right? So the glove box contains actual gloves and hand sanitizer, but it also contains lubricant and condoms. Basically, oh it's a glove box. But then it, 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 I'm thinking now like gloves and like sex, it just like kind of goes to airport security loop. I don't know. I get my, my, my 
my mind's going in the wrong direction here. Well, I, I think it would be it would be interesting. It would be super fun if we thought about if there was an emergency condom delivery service for when you're in the mood and uh, at yeah. risk of being stupid during lockdown. Like you just have like a staples uh, that was easy button, and it was actually connected to like you just like bang it, and then some guy just comes to the door, or it's yes. droned drone to your yes. window because you're probably already naked at the at the at that moment so you just like kind of <laughs> tell you what window the drone should go to <laughs> yes so, it's, yeah. it's, it's like uber triple x right <laughs> so emergency condom delivery service i'm in the mood we're gonna do it tonight i can't be stupid you need to deliver this kit to be like asap yeah yeah no, or sure. like a date night package, a date night package. So, you know, people have date nights now and the married couples do this too. And they're even doing it during lockdown. Oh, yeah. Included like sex toys, condoms, lubricant, plus champagne for your special date night. Yeah. Like get some food in there. Why not? Get some, some food. Cho- get some chocolates. Everyone loves snacks. Strawberries. Oh, have to have shit. strawberries. We got, we're out of time here. Okay. Um, and now, now, what if? What if, what would the world look like with or without, or if? This is the classic uh, Einstein thought experiment, but for regular people. So what what have you got for us today? What's the the what if that we're going to imagine today? So our question today is what if planes were outlawed and only trains and cars remained? So what would trains and cars look like? Uh, so what would happen to the world and what would yeah. happen to trains and cars in, in particular? Okay. Yeah. First, well, infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Well, I think automatically you're going to get, finally, North America invests in rail infrastructure. It's one of the first things that may happen. <laughs> Completely. Like, you know, um, mag rails, you know, magnetic, um, maglev, magnetically levitated rails and high-speed rails and bullet trains are prevalent as you know in asia and and lots of europe etc but we're way behind the curve in north america so i think north america would certainly benefit from that i'm just wondering like can you even connect can you even connect canada to like to the uk can you connect that like across oh i see that's the thing transatlantic yeah yeah yeah. well yeah i think uh probably this this would require you know some huge intergovernmental and private sector investment but can you imagine if we had a tunnel or rail rail tunnel that went across the two oceans how insane would that be you know what it would be i don't even think i think it would be like a mix between a train and a boat something that could move like the fucking speed of light and that could just hover on Mm -hmm. top of the like use it would have to use the water in a way because building all that infrastructure like tunneling all the way to to Gatwick. <laughs> no, thank you. The other is uh, that automotive design would ra- would rapidly start to change, right? Oh God, yeah, yeah. And and depending right. on what our, our safety restrictions are, either um, automobiles, you know, for one or two uh, passengers, but that are designed for uh, more medium to uh, long haul comfortable mm-hmm. medium to long haul travel because actually our cars are not really designed for true long haul travel although you know we love to do our long road trips 
but they aren't designed for that right now. I think it, it would definitely, there'd be a huge need for uh, autonomous vehicles. Like they, they would have yes. to be, they would have to be in there just to avoid just stupid human drivers, human errors. Like that, that obviously causes a lot of things, um, <laughs> a lot of problems in what we have right now. So, it's so like more emphasis on faster. autonomous, yeah, yeah. autonomous yeah. vehicles, like, uh, probably more reliance on artificial intelligence uh, for, you know, mobility and motion sensing and things like that. For sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the big question in my mind is, um, you know, looking at the difference between what we would call a personal vehicle you know, um, by personal vehicle, I'm really saying a personal ve a vehicle that you personally own versus a shared vehicle. Yeah, so that's what technically I'm getting at. An Uber and a train and a subway are all shared vehicles in, in the sense that you, you all sorts of different people use it during the course of the day. And that has obviously certain safety and hygiene consequences right now. So it's a super interesting question. Maybe for future cool hunting, we should go and look for some new ideas and innovations when it comes to these designs, because I'm sure people are working on it right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely what's happening. Um, you know what, and, what else is going to change is the sense of our borders. Cause in a, in a lot of sense, in, in a sense, the, um, are the avenues or arteries uh, that we currently use or, or up until recently have heavily been airports. Yeah. And if we're no longer using airports as a main gateway, we're going to be using roads and rails. So like, for example, it's not Toronto Pearson Airport. It's going to be uh, Buffalo, New York, <laughs> through which people really <laughs> mainly come into this country. That's yeah. going to change that uh, tremendously. Huh. Um, Lee, that's it. We got five minutes there. We have gone through all three segments and that concludes our, our podcast, basically. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank you all for listening to our first new episode. This is a new experiment, and I'm sure we'll keep improving and optimizing it over the next oh, little while. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to put some shot clocks uh, on on these uh, this or this five minute timer. So, thank you everyone for lending us your ears. I'm Wan Yoon, and I'm Nevin Ryan, and you'll hear us next time on the next voice you hear in your home. You've been listening to The Next Voice You Hear with Juan Yoon.